This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Patrick Brown and Ryan Callahan, and we're going to get straight to it because there is a ton to discuss on this Thursday afternoon. Tennessee football had practice number seven, technically, but it was better termed or practice number eight, according to Patrick's fingers. Thank you for that, Patrick. Uh, first, on behalf of Patrick and I, happy birthday, John Morant. Uh, on the second note, uh, mm. Tennessee had its first fall scrimmage of the month of August this morning, and we have a ton to discuss because a ton has come out of that first scrimmage. And Patrick, we'll let you lead with this. Cooper Mays, he's he's a little banged up. You've you've been writing that in your practice observations, um, but a little more uh, truth to what's going on now with what Josh Heupel had to say afterwards, and that's that Cooper had a procedure, a minor procedure on an upper back injury, upper body injury, and he's going to miss a couple of weeks, but he is expected to be back by the opener. Yeah, that, now that's a that's a Josh Heupel injury update, which we always have to take with uh, a certain amount of salt. Um, so we'll see if he's back by, by the opener there, what, a little more than three weeks out. So if it is just a couple of weeks, he, he potentially could be um, maybe back going by game week uh, before they play Virginia. But uh, in any case, in the short term, uh, whether or not Cooper ends up missing any meaningful snaps or anything like that at the start of the season, uh, it, it was important that Tennessee, and it has been important that Tennessee finds a, a backup center because they can't just throw Jerome Carvin over there anymore. So um, that's been something that's been uh, an off-season goal. You know, it was a storyline in the spring. Uh, it's a storyline early in camp, um, and uh, now it's being sort of pressed into an offensive line that already had some question marks uh, about who was going to emerge and things like that. So, um, but based on what we heard and based on some of Josh Heupel's comments after the scrimmage, it sounds like Ollie Lane, if Tennessee were playing on Saturday, would be the guy at center. Uh, obviously, he was a guy that was in the mix at left guard as well. So what do you do there? Um, Addison Nichols is also a guy that that's um, in the in the mix there at center. I think he did get some some first team work during the scrimmage. Uh, and has worked at at center extensively going back o- over his two years, almost two years in the program. So, uh, and then Vice and Lang and, and Parker Ball, some other guys there. But really, I think that the main two probably options behind Cooper at this point are, are going to be 
Uh, Ollie Lane, who's a six-year senior, has has played uh, all the interior spots. Um, him going to center is not a, not a huge thing because he's I think he's done it in the past, and and he started five games at left guard when Cooper Mays was out. So Cooper being out and him having to to play and and do more things is not going to be new to Ollie. So, um, but it, it just adds a wrinkle because going into camp, you know, we we thought there were three positions kind of open on this offensive line. Uh, center was not one of them, but now it's probably at the top of the list. So. Um, and probably John Campbell Jr. sort of, I think he's asserted himself as a left tackle. So it's three, still three positions that are open with center and left guard and, and, and right tackle as well. But uh, I think center has to take um, some priority just because of, uh, of Cooper Mays and just his value. I know he may not be the most talented player, the biggest guy, the strongest guy, but he plays really hard. He's tough. Um, and, and he is, is the guy that's sort of the key to the tempo that Tennessee wants to play at. So they need him on the field. And, and obviously they're hoping that uh, they can get him back before the season starts. And Ryan, all of a sudden, that offensive line that was already somewhat of a question mark, now it's a a big question mark, uh, at least in in my mind. I don't know that it's time to press the panic button uh, when you pair this Cooper Mays development along with the fact that the O-line is is already trying to to shuffle some guys around. Certain guys are trying to establish themselves and and win jobs. You're having to replace Jerome Carvin, Darnell Wright. That's why it was already somewhat of a question mark. But now it's quite the question mark and something to keep an eye on the rest of the month, obviously. And I'm not pressing the panic button. I don't think all of a sudden the offensive line is going to be bad in totality. Uh, I I don't believe that even with the recent developments. Uh, I I think it's going to be fine. I I think the, the question is... What is it going to look like? I'm not pressing the panic button, but uh, I'm cautious now all of a sudden and, and and slightly worried is is the way that kind of I would phrase it. How, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I mean, and you combine that with what we have heard coming out of uh, today's scrimmage, which is that that it was a, a shaky performance from the offensive line. And, and, and that's understandable, I think, obviously, given the fact that, again, Cooper Mays is out. You're not at full strength right now. And with him out of position, that that you know maybe diminishes a bit what you have at guard because Ollie Lane is now having to play center. Um, so I, I, it's obviously not ideal to to have that. And even if Cooper Mays is back for game week and, and ready to go for the season opener, it, it complicates them kind of sorting things out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it, it, it can have some effects in situations like that that can linger into the season for for the first game or two. So so that will be interesting to follow. You know, everyone always kind of it's it's always I feel like it's always a preseason storyline and kind of question that we always ask the offensive line coach going back over multiple staffs. Like, how much do you value continuity and developing some chemistry within your offensive line with having open competition? And it seems like offensive line coaches veer toward competition anyway. They don't necessarily settle on starters by the middle of camp very often in hopes of just letting those guys settle in. But now you don't really have that luxury. You you, you kind of have to just figure out what you're what your contingency plan is for when Cooper Mays is out, because that's what you're working with probably for the next couple of weeks, at least. And, and that makes your left guard situation. Now something you have to figure out a little bit more. If Ollie Lane's going to slide over to center and get a lot of work there, Addison Nichols, who's also an option, maybe at left guard also now has to get more work at center. So it's, it changes the way Tennessee does a little bit of everything on the offensive line over the next couple of weeks or more. And, and yeah, we, we were kind of talking about right tackle, and left guard, and now I feel like center is is going to be, you know, at least temporarily, uh, you know, maybe the main topic of discussion. Whether Tennessee can solidify that position and find someone who's a a, a, a pretty important position, but find someone who's a, who's a serviceable backup 
uh, at least, so that even if Cooper Mays is back, if they have to deal with another injury at some point, they need to have somebody back there, as Patrick mentioned, to to be a competent backup. So it's a it's a short term problem, might not be a problem into the season, but it does, I think, kind of complicate the overall composition of this offensive line throughout camp and therefore maybe going into the season. Well, and my biggest concern, Ryan, I agree with you right now. It's a, a short term problem, but I think the biggest issue with this development is that it could linger and become a, a long term issue because, OK, sure, maybe Cooper doesn't play or maybe he is back by Virginia. Maybe he doesn't miss any game action, but he's an offensive lineman and he's going to go the entire month of August without really hitting somebody while recovering from an injury, dealing with an injury. That's not really a, a recipe for success. Uh, he, he is a veteran. He's played quite a bit of football. So so maybe it's not as big of a deal as, as I'm making it out to be. Maybe there's not as much rust uh, to knock off. But you you pair the fact that he's an offensive lineman and he's going to go the entire month without hitting somebody. I don't think that's a recipe for success. And I think it's heightened in this offense, Patrick, because of how important the center is. Yes, physically blocking somebody and, and doing your job as a center, getting the snap back to the quarterback, blocking the guy in front of you. But I, I would suggest maybe this is an offseason study for, for next offseason there's more put on the Tennessee center than any center in the country. Maybe a triple option center is, is up there as well. Uh, but the obviously aside from the basics, like first and foremost, the job is to get to the ball and, and, and get ready to snap it. And Cooper and, and the center in this offense sets the pace for the tempo uh, as much as the quarterback, if not more. So I, I think that's as big of a concern as anything, you would like to think that Joe Milton is, is able to overcome that, but even he can't overcome, you know, Ollie Lane getting used to playing that position at the pace that they want to go. And then Addison Nichols, who uh, it seems like he's going to have to play a, a bigger role than maybe he he's ready for. I, I think ideally there's a little more development there that needs to be had with Addison but before he's thrust into the mix, which is why, in my opinion, you've seen Ollie start to take center snaps this week. I think if Addison were truly ready, I don't think we're talking about Ollie Lane maybe as uh, like a third string and, and an emergency option, but I think it would be Addison's job and they'd just kind of be running with it. So uh, th those are my kind of two long-term fears that, that A, could become a long-term thing because he's not hitting anybody in, in fall camp and because of how important the center is to this offense, Patrick. And my last thought, and the reason I'm I'm kind of harping on the whole not hitting somebody the month of, of August, I go back to, I don't remember what season it was. I think it was the 17 season under Butch where like they had three. Why are you, why are you bringing that? Why are you bringing that crap up? Well, you'll <laughs> see why in a second. Well, well there, there was like one fall camp where they had like three practices in which they were full pads and tackling and, and going full speed uh, because they, they were kind of worried about their numbers up front in the trenches and, and they tried to really back off and be cautious and they didn't hit one another like but three times the month of fall camp and then you got to September I think it was a 17 season you got to the month of September and the O-line was getting absolutely whipped and pushed around so it's important for those big guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball to hit one another and Cooper's not going to be doing that on top of recovering from an injury 
Yeah, that, that's a valid concern. And, and uh, I think the term they've used for the centers are, you know, they're the gas pedal. You know, those are the guys that, uh, you know, centers in every offense have to make the calls, identify fronts, get everybody on the same page and all that. Uh, not only is, is Tennessee center having to do that fast, he's also got to be probably one of the best conditioned guys on the team because you got to be on the ball first because everybody else is lining up where they're lining up based off you. So, um, and that's a valid concern, Ben, that, that, you know, if, you know, we saw with Jalen Wright last, last season, he didn't get a lot of contact in, in preseason that led to some fumbling issues. I, you know, that I think he, he had his, his ball security improved after he was able to, you know, get some live contact and, and Cooper's not going to have that. And, and, and that is a concern uh, on Nichols. I've seen some fans wonder like, why is he not ready and what's wrong with him? I'm like, he's a redshirt freshman. First of all, I mean, he's, he's, they, they've, he's a smart guy they think and and he's i think he's a little bit more developed than some of the other guys that he came in with like brian grant uh clipper masai reddick i i think he was always more advanced but he never played center you know he was a he was a tackle i think in high school right ryan so um and, and they threw him in at center his first spring and it was all new to him and so uh, i think he's still like getting this you know the snapping part of it down so um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where you got to start. <laughs> if you're the center, you got to get the ball to the quarterback. Right. Um, and so, and, and to Ryan's point, I do think it, it changes the nucleus of this, of this offensive line. Cause you got to figure out who, who your left guard is. Doesn't sound like Andre care is going to be much of a factor there. Uh, maybe moving forward. Uh, Jackson Lampley is, is, it was, you know, you see him shift over to left guard, this week and some drills that we get to see. And even then you're like, that makes me think that this thing, like there's no separation and they're not close to figuring that position out. And obviously that position is complicated with what's going on with Cooper, but um, you know, that that's two positions next to each other. And, and you know, your center and left guard have got to work together. And um, uh, I, I'm not mashing the panic button. Cause I think that, you know, Tennessee's offense is, is Tennessee's offense. If anybody can figure out how to score 40 points a game with these guys, uh, with what they got is these guys. So, um, you know, if they have to tweak some things uh, that they may be playing to do, you know, they'll figure it out. So, but at the same time, if your offensive line is, is more of a weakness than it was last season, you know, you're, you don't have a guy like Hendon Hooker who can uh, maybe run you out of trouble. Um, and, you know, Tennessee was really good in short yardage situations. I think they were like 67% on fourth down last season. And, you know, they weren't converting a bunch of fourth and eights. It was a lot of fourth and ones, fourth and twos. And those are the plays you need your offensive line to, be strong and get the job done. You can't have your left guard getting blown up. So, um, you know, th- those are the, those are, I think are, are the, that's sort of the, the, the duality of, of the situation where I, I think it is a valid concern, but I'm, I'm still not necessarily mashing the panic button, Ryan. And, and yeah, and, and I'm just a, and answer your question. Yeah. Addison Nichols, like a lot of offensive linemen did play tackle in high school. So yeah, that, that transition to center, it takes some time. I think he's gotten a lot more comfortable with it than he was last spring when he kind of openly admitted that it was very foreign to him and he had never really snapped before getting to Tennessee. And so he was very much, uh, you know, learning on the job last spring and had a lot of ground to make up. So I think he's a lot further along than that, but that doesn't mean he has it down yet. And most, most offensive linemen are not necessarily ready to just start um, not just year one, but sometimes year two um you know they're they're, they don't come in and play right away and that's just such a developmental position because you're going against massive athletic powerful defensive linemen especially in the sec and a second year guy going against fourth and fifth year guys can be a recipe for disaster sometimes so uh, that's why that's such a developmental position and 
and yeah, you throw that in, uh, throw in that he's, he's playing a position he's never really played before. Uh, and even with a year plus of experience there, uh, at least in some situations, he's still having to, to kind of pick that up. So yeah, I don't think it's a knock on Addison Nichols at all that he's maybe not just ready to be the next option there, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's still not a finished product there by any stretch and, and yeah, they've got to figure that out now in addition to figuring out a contingency plan at left guard and just sort of see what their best combination of five is going to be. They, you know, it's a good thing that we're hearing some good talk about Javante Spragans and, and, and some other guys, and, and maybe they can solidify things at the tackle position where John Campbell at least has gotten off to a good start at left tackle because they, they need fewer positions to worry about. They, they now need to focus on center and left guard, I feel like, uh, as opposed to worrying about the tackle position. So if those guys can get things a little more solidified at tackle, uh, that might make it a little bit easier for them to, to sort of navigate this tough stretch. Yeah. You, redshirt freshmen and, and true sophomores aren't really supposed to contribute right away along the offensive line. Uh, you, you, this, this to me, is a reminder that the Tennessee football program is in year three under Josh Heupel uh, because they, they just uh, haven't had the the depth. Uh, they, they don't have the depth to, to where they can – lose a guy on the offensive line, whether due to injury, or they can lose two key offensive linemen and just pick up where they lo- left off from a season ago. The, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, schools like that are doing that. And, and go look at those offensive line. For the most part, it's you know a redshirt sophomore, redshirt juniors, upperclassmen, junior seniors that, that are stepping in and filling filling roles along an offensive line and 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 not they're not really being a drop off. So uh, I I still think year three that there's still a a reasonable excuse uh, that you know they're they're in kind of the situation because it is only year three uh, and they haven't built up depth along the offensive line to where you can lose Darnell Wright, you can lose Jerome Carvin, and everything be okay the next year. You can lose Cooper Mays the injury and, and everything be okay. So I, I think this is a unfortunate reminder that they're early on in, in their tenure here, Patrick. And maybe you can ask, like, okay, well, why isn't there depth? I, I wouldn't uh, oppose anybody asking that. Um, I, I do still give them some leeway. I, I don't think they were in position year one, year two because of uh, the the last decade of Tennessee football, the FBI FBI investigation, Lord, the NCAA investigation, they, they weren't in a. Position. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I mean, no, I I know they weren't in a position because of where Tennessee football was to go out and and land Trey Smith and Darnell Wright and Wanya Moore. It's like high level five star offensive linemen that can play right away. And even with those guys, Wanya and and Darnell, they took their lumps as as freshmen and sophomores too. Like what Trey Smith came in and did is not normal. <laughs> that, that's not normal at all. Like these offensive linemen coming in aren't supposed to do that. And we'll see long long term with Brian Grant, Mo Clipper, Addison Nichols. Uh, with Brian Grant and Addison Nichols, at least like you see them getting better from one year to the next. Like Brian Grant looks better physically and looks better running around. Addison Nichols the same way, but that doesn't mean that they are ready to contribute right now because that is such a developmental position. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at this roster, and, and there's so many positions where you you look at it and say that you know this thing has been flipped. Like you look at linebacker, that's all new. Uh, you know, offensive line is a position where Tennessee really has been using those older guys. You know, they they brought in what three transfers over the past two cycles uh, with bringing in Gerald Mincy last year, and then. Um, 
Campbell had car- uh, Carrick this year. They, you know, one of the only guys they signed when this new staff got in was Jeremiah Crawford out of, out of junior college. So, you know, they haven't really been able to uh, sort of flip it to where their guys are now, you know, at the top of the depth chart across the board. So, um, and, and that's hard to do on the offensive line. Cause like you mentioned, man, it, it takes a while. It's a developmental position. You know, they didn't take, you know, they weren't able to get some of some of the elite guys in that 2022 class. They seem to have a pretty good class coming in. And even then, you know, we might have this same conversation about some you know, some of these guys coming in next season. Are they going to be ready to play right off the bat? Ideally, you don't want to be playing freshman on the offensive line. I mean, just go back to Coleman Thomas and Jay Sean Robinson under Butch Jones. I mean, that's not the situation you you really want to uh, you know to, to to be having to put your offensive line in. And so, you know, yeah, they've got some some seniors, and you'd rather have twenty three and twenty two year old guys up front. But um, you also want talent and. Um, you know, that, that's a position that's, it's getting there, but it maybe isn't there yet. And, um, Tennessee's going to have to, I think, rely on some, you know, some old fashioned player development. And, and for this group in particular, it's going to have to be some, some late career developments and some guys that have been around the block a while, like Ollie Lane and Jackson Lampley might have to play bigger roles and, and we'll just have to see how they handle it. And just to add, you know, I think another of the reasons you get in this position, it kind of goes back to the end of the Jeremy Pruitt era, that 2021 class that you broke down so well in a story on the site, Patrick, uh, just just here recently. You got nothing out of that class on the offensive line uh, aside from um, – is there anyone from that class uh, that's playing right now in that group? I don't think uh, so. There's only four guys on the whole – well, Crawford is here, but he's a guy that the new staff brought in. Yeah, no, Crawford was the only one. I, I was thinking there was one. And yeah, what about Lance Crawford? Lucky's. Um, he no, was, he was not. He was a 2019 not, class. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that that 2020 class, the one only one guy that you didn't get uh, in that class, uh, that or or that, that's not contributing and and um, could have been a factor, didn't stick around. James Robinson, and then the 2021 class, you've already had William Parker transfer out. So um, that that was a pretty small offensive line class. So you know we've talked about it. It's shown up in a few spots where that that group that now should be in their third year is not giving Tennessee the depth. So you have a lot of seniors on the roster and then a lot of freshmen and redshirt freshmen and sophomores that this staff brought in. This is where it's kind of showing up. You don't have that middle depth kind of of what should be third-year players maybe ready to step in because that was a smaller offensive line class and because they've had a couple guys transfer out that maybe, maybe could have helped in this situation. But either way, they didn't get enough from those classes, and now that's kind of contributing to the situation they're in. Yeah, that that's a great point. Just like when Derek Dooley didn't sign an offensive lineman, and and that that hurt Butch early on as as well. And I think if there's one critique, and we're about to move on from offensive line talking and, and get into the scrimmage, but I do think it would be fair to question the transfers that they have brought in. Uh, Gerald Mincy, I mean, uh, to me, that's kind of it, it doesn't and, and miss. It I doesn't mean, he, sound like Mincy wants to play anywhere but left tackle, which is I think is a detriment to him. And the team, because um, he's got a lot of ability. But uh, if you're not willing to play a position that's, you know, we, you know, Darnell Wright two years ago, hey, go play left tackle. Didn't say a word. Cade Mays is a guard. They may, he played right tackle, probably did really fight it. You know, if you're Gerald Mincy, you could maybe go play right tackle. Will they have, you know, do you give those guys, do you give him a look at guard? I mean, if he's not going to play anywhere else, but, you know, if he's I not going to just... go play tackle, why he's probably not going to give you a, a second thought if you ask him to go play left guard. I mean, I was gonna be, say, is that is that is that where they're at? Where they're like, whoever, you know, we need somebody that can play left guard. You know, if, if nobody's really sticking out, is all options to be on the table, right? Or am I overreacting? 
Yeah, no, I I don't want to play fantasy football here because you don't want to shake too many things up. But like, I almost plus yeah, your fantasy league is is stupid and has defensive <laughs> players and all that all that stuff. Well, that's because it's good. Uh, it's for people who like football. But no, if but if you if you put Mincy at right tackle and, and say could Jeremiah Crawford be an option at guard? I've always kind of thought he right. has a a guard tackle body. Could that not get Tennessee their best five guys on the field at the same time if he was willing to move somewhere? Besides left tackle, I, so I think yeah, Dane Davis has worked at guard too in, in, yeah. in the past, and they might have to still explore that. So yeah, I, I would think all options are on the table at this point, and you you at least need to be preparing that because this this injury, even though it is just one and it is potentially short term, even though it's been pointed out there are some potential long term ramifications here. You do need clearly a better backup plan now um, because this has kind of resulted in Tennessee scrambling a bit and not having a a great situation at center and guard at the, or center and left guard at the moment, but. I, again, I, I think it's fair to question kind of the the transfers that have been brought in uh, up front along the offensive line. I, I think John Campbell's going to be a really productive player for them. I think that's going to prove to be a, a nice pickup. Um, but right now, I mean, it, it's trending in the direction of of Gerald Mincy and and Andre Carrick not not really elevating the the overall ability of the offensive line. Uh, I, I think that they are too that I am circling that that they need to pick it up uh, quite quite frankly uh, if this offensive line is is going uh, to reach its potential but we will certainly continue uh, to monitor uh, that situation uh, on the positive side of things when it comes to the to the offensive line I did have two positive thoughts one being that they are going up against a a defensive front that I think is going to be one of the better defensive fronts in the SEC, especially this defensive line, uh, and and even the linebacker tandem too. I, I don't think enough even Tennessee fans are talking talking about the linebacker tandem enough. Everybody knows about Aaron Beasley. I, I continue to hear great things about Keenan Peely. I think he's going to have a really really nice productive season next to Beasley. So this offensive line, I think that is something to remember in the back of your head when when you're listening to us talk and maybe starting to get a little nervous about the offensive line I think it's fair to start getting nervous uh, but remember that they are going up against one of the better in my opinion defensive fronts in the SEC and that's uh, obviously going to make them maybe look a little bit worse than what they are and it's also going to help them in the long run and also you heard Josh Heupel talk today in his post scrimmage presser that they were actually able to to run the ball fairly well. And if they're running the ball fairly well here and there, obviously the offensive line is doing something good. So, again, I, I don't think there's any need to hit the panic button, uh, but I, I do think that there are legitimate reasons uh, to be cautious. And those reasons led Patrick to the defense getting the best of the offense in scrimmage number one, not just because of the offensive line. That was obviously – a uh, a big issue. Uh, it was worded to me that they got absolutely whipped. Um, you understand that with Cooper being out, uh, but also they they didn't really run their receivers out there. There was no Brew McCoy, uh, Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton. Uh, I believe they were all very very cautious with them. Joe and Nico did not have a ton of uh, skill players to to work with, um, and the receiver. Injuries, I guess, if you want to call it that. I even hesitate to call them injuries. To me, what Cooper Mays is dealing with is an injury. It seems like the receiver room has just kind of got some bumps and bruises, some nicks and knacks, and, and they're being overly cautious. But because of the situation at receiver in terms of bodies and along the offensive line, it, it led to the defense having a big day. 
Yeah, Ben, those are two great points. I think this defensive line has made a really good start to camp. Um, and, and you could sense it ta- uh, listening to Rodney Garner on, on I think it was Tuesday. Um, you know, sometimes Rodney's come in there and he's been like, you know, chewing some ass and you could kind of tell he doesn't like his guys very much, but uh, he seemed to like his group and, and like what they had been doing and, and like some of the leadership and the direction that they were going. Uh, you can kind of sense that when he's talking about the Leos look like it's supposed to look from a championship team. Some of those veterans are starting to step up and lead more and, and walk the walk instead of just talk the talk. So um, it's not a surprise that, 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 that the defense came out and, and had, you know, won the scrimmage by, uh, you know, decisively. Uh, when you take out those, those receivers, um, and it sounds like they're kind of getting more of an NFL starter preseason treatment more than anything. Tennessee didn't want to run them out on a on a wet field, and and, and frankly, they probably need to give the Caleb Webbs and the Chaz Nimrods of the world a lot of uh, a, a lot more reps. And you know, we heard Kelsey Pope on Wednesday say that it's on on him as a coach to get those guys playing consistent, and and certainly those young guys have examples. Um, from last season with Ramel Keaton stepping in for Cedric Tillman that you got to be ready. Even though you're young, you got to be ready. So um, I, I think that led to the defense sort of having its way. And, um, you know, you, you hear that, you know, they were able to stop the run um, pretty well early on. And uh, obviously I don't think they scored very often on offense. So, um, you know, maybe guys weren't getting as open as they needed to for Joe Milton to get rid of the football. Um, and, and yeah, I think this, I think this defensive line had a good day. And you made a good point, Ben, on, on the linebackers. If, any of you guys are out there and you and you watch Josh Pate, if he talks about the linebackers on his next show, which I think will be Thursday night, it's because of me. I, I, I They were taking submissions, and I said, hey, this linebacker room has been flipped. Uh, you're going from having two of your top three guys are guys that, A, just got booted out of Arizona State, and B, didn't even make it to rookie NFL training camp. Uh, and now you got a guy who's all the rage, and, and Aaron Carter, and um, you know, Keenan Peely, as you mentioned, is is you know, he's just a, a different kind of tone setter in that group. You know, that I think that's going to be a, a really good position group. And you know, if they can get the back end sort of figured out, you know, Tennessee has a, a I think a chance to have you know, and the pass rush too. If if they can get those two things figured out, um, I think this defense could take a couple steps forward. Even if the offense, should the offensive line become a, a real worry, take a step back. And Ryan, on the flip side of the receivers, maybe being limited. Um, because of of bodies, and it sounded like Caleb Webb uh, made a couple of of nice catches, and uh, Chaz Nimrod uh, as well. The tight ends definitely had a good day. Um, McCollin Castles, McCallan Castles uh, caught a touchdown, and Ethan Davis had had a couple of of catches uh, as as well. So, and Patrick just said there weren't a ton of touchdowns as you would expect if the defense is is winning the day. Uh, Joe Milton ran one in for for a touchdown at one point. Uh, Jack Jancic continues to look good in, in camp, and uh, he he caught a touchdown. Future think, coach Jack Jancic, who knows? Maybe future NFL player Jack Jancic. Uh, he he had a a touchdown catch, uh, taking advantage of, of a lot of guys being out. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, McAllen Castles had a touchdown catch as well. And uh, I, I I guess it was. Somebody talked this week uh, about the tight ends. I guess it was McAllen himself. Uh, and, and even when Abelin has talked and uh, Halsley has talked, Heupel today, everybody's raving about the tight end room. Every, everybody knows what they have in, in Jacob Warren, uh, but Ethan Davis and McAllen Castles are, are really starting to turn heads. They are, and that's you. You need that from that group because, yeah, they've they've upgraded the talent level, but still still short on bodies. Um, but they they need Ethan Davis as a freshman to be ready to go. 
And they, you know, McAllen Castles is obviously a one, one for one guy. You know, this is his last year. He needs to cash in big. So he's, he's expecting to do big things and, and, and has a, a good enough background that you think you're getting an, an immediate impact guy. So not surprising to me that we're hearing some Castles buzz. I, I think it's a very positive development, though, that we're out there uh, early in camp talking about how good Ethan Davis looks to us and that we're hearing that he's making plays in practice and, and showing up in the scrimmage. Uh, that, that's a very good sign, uh, especially considering that he got hurt in the spring game and there was at least some concern about him this summer. So that's that's a, a yeah another positive development for this offense. I, I would add that the the quarterbacks, what we heard today about the quarterbacks, a uh, good sign for Tennessee. You know, that's that's where a lot of people would start. Still wanting to know that Joe Milton is on the right track, and you know, it sounds like as a leader, as a guy in command of the offense, he is very much in in a good position. You know, uh, roughly three weeks out from the season opener, uh, still some things that you know Josh Heupel said he needs to that he can do better uh, situationally, for instance, but that overall a pretty good day for Joe Milton and that, and that Nico Iamaliava as, as a freshman quarterback uh, is, is doing a lot of things well and has, has looked like a different guy since the end of spring practice, which is what Josh Heupel kind of expects from guys when they leave uh, at the end of spring uh, to, to the time they come back for the start of practice in, in August. So that that's, that's good news for Tennessee too. And obviously those quarterbacks um, one way or another are going to have a lot to, to say about how good the season is for Tennessee. If Joe Milton is the guy that we've, that we've kind of heard he is so far in camp and from what we've seen uh, a little bit in practice as well. If he's that guy this season, uh, that, that's going to bode well for Tennessee, even if the offensive line doesn't give him enough help sometimes and things like that. They need him to be kind of a dude, and it sounds like he has been that guy uh, from, from leadership to performance so far. He certainly has been, and, and I want to get Patrick's thoughts on the quarterbacks uh, and share mine as well. And and we need to talk some secondary and running backs, go go a little more in-depth with the running backs. I know we mentioned them in passing earlier. So still have several things that we need to discuss from today's first scrimmage of fall camp and also Josh Heupel meeting with the media afterwards. But we do have to take a break and pay some bills around here. So we will be back here in just a moment on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast here on a Thursday afternoon discussing Tennessee's first scrimmage of fall camp. I'm Ben McKee joined by Patrick Brown and Ryan Callahan. And before we get Patrick's thoughts on Nico and Joe Milton, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. 
Patrick, you have the floor for how you reacted to Josh Heupel's praise to both Joe Milton and Nico Iamaliava. Well, you know, sometimes when Heupel talks, you kind of have to, I don't know, read between the lines or, or take it for what it's worth. But I think with quarterbacks, he's usually, for the most part, he's pretty honest because, you know, he's a quarterback. He's going to know those guys the most. He's probably going to talk to those guys the most when they come to the sideline during a scrimmage. So um, he, he seemed to to like a lot of what Milton did um, other than some situational stuff, four-minute offense coming out of the end zone, things like that. And that's something I think he mentioned some in the spring too where uh, you know, Milton's just got to know how to handle some of those those moments, those game management moments. And that's why you do that stuff in, in preseason camp because you're going to encounter it in, in a game that you know, you're going to have to – be down in the swamp and you're going to have to protect a seven point lead and get the football. You get the football with four minutes to go and try to run the clock out, pick up a few first downs and, and shorten the game. So, um, and, and I think he had some really interesting stuff to say about Nico Iamaliava. Um, and he sounds like he's seen kind of the jump, you know, something the hypo likes to say is for freshmen that go through spring, particularly at quarterback, you know, if you want them to be a different player when you get them back at the start of camp, and it sounds like it's been that way for, for Nico where he's, uh, he's not making the same mistake twice. That's that's the big thing. And, um, you know, sometimes you want to see young players like Nico, like Arian Carter, as, as Brian Jean-Ri talked about. If they make a mistake, you want them to be able to explain why or what they should have done differently. And um, that those are kind of baby steps that that those guys need to take mentally um, for them to to take it out on the field. So um, good things from them. I know the, the, both those guys, um, you know, were kind of impacted in the scrimmage from what was going on around them. You know, Tennessee doesn't have a you know, it's not like they have 12 scholarship wide receivers. They've got eight and, um, you know, Nate Spillman's probably a, a decent bit away from being able to contribute. So it's really seven. So, you know, if you have if you're given half those guys, you know, preseason treatment, then then you're going to be playing with some walk ons and, and some other guys like that in the, in the second and third units. And, and that might make things difficult for a guy like Nico, who is playing against on defense, presumably all scholarship guys and guys that in a lot of cases are probably vying for playing time. Yeah, Joe was definitely affected by everything going on uh, around him, just like any quarterback in the country would. When, when, you, when your offensive line has, has a key piece missing, you're already trying to shuffle guys around, you're, your receiver room's banged up, and you're going against a, a pretty good defensive front, you, you're going to have your moments where, where you struggle, and maybe there was a time or two where he held on to the ball too long, but I, I wouldn't read into that. Uh, again, he, he was missing quite a bit on the offensive side I, of things. I, and I do think Joe is going to have to learn to throw the football away sometimes. Um, and, and something, you know, I know Anthony Richardson's the easy comparison, but like pro football focus had Richardson with like 25 throwaways last season. And, and it seemed like some of those were in the Tennessee game where Tennessee had guys draped on him and he's just, he's 6'5, 250 and could chuck the ball out of bounds with guys all over him. Milton's going to have to do that sometimes this year because second and 10 is better than second and 19. So, um, but carry on, Ben. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. I, it, I mean, he was fine overall. I mean, he, he had a solid day. Again, the weather wasn't great. You're missing a bunch of guys. Uh, and if, if you factor in those two things, it, it went the way that you would expect it to go. And he showed signs of leadership at times uh, when special teams was kind of doing their thing. Uh, and the offense maybe had been struggling a little bit. He he gathered everybody up on the offensive side of things and, and addressed everybody. So 
Uh, he, he's continuing to do what he's shown all offseason long, and, and that's lead this football team and and lead the offense. And I, I think he's going to be just fine. And and I was very impressed by what Josh Heupel had to say about Nico Iamaliava and, and just that. I mean, he was pretty emphatic that Nico does not make mistakes twice. He does not make the same mistake, which I, I was very, very impressed by. And uh, he, he has his freshman moments. He, he looks like a freshman. He's not ready to start against Virginia, um, but I, I think when it is finally his turn to to take over the job, I think he's going to be perfectly fine, and he's going to take it in and run with it. Uh, so the, the quarterbacks are fine. Ryan, in addition to, to Hypo having a lot of praise for the quarterbacks, he also had a lot of praise for the running backs. He did. It sounds sound like a very good day uh, for, for those guys. You know, It sounds like the, the defense got off to a good start, stopping the run. Uh, but as the scrimmage went on, there were there were more plays to be had. Jalen Wright, in particular, sounds like he had a pretty good day and had had a you know, maybe a big run toward the end of the scrimmage. Um, so they 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 had some success there against the defensive front that, as you said, has has looked pretty good so far this year. So uh, I I wouldn't uh, as always with scrimmages, you know, if, if people hear that a team's running the ball well, they they worry about the defense. If the defense is playing well against the run, they worry about the run game or the offensive line. You know, you have to kind of take it for what it is in a scrimmage. But the, I, I think it's a good sign that that you know we're hearing about that the running backs made some plays uh, at least toward the end of the scrimmage, and that the that the running backs overall had a good day. Some positive things about uh, about Jabari Small, which I think is a good sign. You know, he's a guy that, as Josh Heupel pointed out, needed some. Uh, some real game work uh, after not not doing anything this spring. So to get him some live action and a scrimmage, uh, definitely a good thing. And and you know having some 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 positive things to say about uh, the, the freshman running backs uh, on this team, the younger guys that have have looked good uh, when when given the opportunity to to take on bigger roles, like Deshaun Bishop did during the spring game, like Cameron Seldon did during the spring game. Even what we what we've seen from Khalifa Keith since he got got here this summer. Uh, I think it's all been pretty encouraging. So it sounds like Tennessee has a pretty healthy looking running back room right now. And when you look at, you know, that group compared to, you know, kind of a not not shorthanded, but a small group of scholarship tight ends and a a not very large group of of scholarship receivers and quarterbacks, that that's maybe the healthiest looking position group uh, on the entire offense in a lot of ways. Uh, not that they um not to say they're the best position group overall, because I wouldn't say they are, but I think just in terms of the depth and the the overall health of that position, they're in a pretty good spot going into the season. And and certainly everything we've continued to hear points to to at least Jalen Wright having a pretty good year and, and some guys behind him being able to uh, to continue to to play a lot uh, when needed. Right, and I it kind of I kind of perked up when Heupel said that all three young running backs in our program have flashed and. Uh, are promising right now. So uh, the the future of that position seems to be in a really, really good spot as well. Deshaun Bishop did get banged up a little bit. Uh, We'll see if anything serious comes from that. Uh, But overall, Tennessee did get out healthy. Josh Heupel uh, made that comment. Uh, And then also, Patrick, after you get past the fact that the the front seven defensively looked really good, the, the other two things that stood out to me from Heupel is that, A, he said that they tackled pretty well for a first scrimmage, which I go, I guess goes hand in hand with the front seven playing well. Um, but but that's good to hear that they were tackling well in space. Uh, and then he he also fielded a a ton of questions and and a couple from yourself uh, about kind of guys playing different roles in the secondary. Yeah, it, 
sort of like the offensive line's dealing with some stuff. The secondary's dealing with some stuff too. Um, a couple of starters that are projected starters. I don't know about projected. I'm pretty sure they're starters. <laughs> but uh, Wesley Walker and Samir McDonald have been have been limited. Haven't seen them very much uh, out on the practice field. And we've been out there. They're they're usually kind of staying inside and working with a, a trainer, a strength coach, uh, sort of in a, a rehab mode there. Um, so they've got a couple of minor things. Hypel made it sound like they're close. That Tennessee might uh, sort of treat them cautiously between now uh, and the start of the season, just to make sure that they're healthy as possible when kickoff does arrive. Uh, which I think is the priority there. But uh, when you look at it that way, you know, start uh, McDonald, you know, wet Walker is, is a starting safety, but he's also probably the top backup for Tamara McDonald at the star spot. And then Jordan Thomas is coming off a knee surgery after spring. So he's a little bit limited too. And, you know, those are arguably going into camp. Those are your top three guys at that star spot. So uh, it sounds like they've moved. Well, it's not sounds. They have moved Warren Burrell over from cornerback. He's a guy that's been around. He's played a lot of football. Um, knows the game well enough and, and knows the defense well enough to be able to slide inside and and understand the game a little bit closer to the football. Uh, I think he he was the the first team guy at star today. So uh, in the scrimmage, so that that's you wondered early on if that was going to be just sort of a a stopgap. Uh, hey, we're down some guys, go play there. Uh, but it sounds like it's going to be a, a thing where, um, you know, in the secondary, you're trying to get your best guys, your best five on the field and. You know, since he's got a lot of cornerbacks who are going to be vying for playing time, I think Burrell is going to be one of those guys. Uh, again, it it may not it may not pay off a whole lot when they get to the season because uh, if if McDonald and Walker are back, those are those are going to be your guys. But it does give you another option. It does give Burrell another chance for playing time, um, and it just gives you as a defensive staff more flexibility and more options back there to to get your best guys on the field. And, and not to say that a preseason. You know, injury, even if it's pretty minor, ever could be a uh, a positive thing. It, it's not. You'd rather have everybody out there at full strength. But I think there there could be some benefit to Tennessee having to to work through some different combinations right now at the star position, at safety to get some other guys ready. You know, I'm, I'm not sure we've talked about him enough, but you know, we've obviously written a, a lot about him being one of the top guys out there. And Andre Turrentine's getting a lot of work at the safety position right now that I think has him in position to to be a you know maybe a, a part of the rotation there at safety if they will see if they do rotate much at that position but i think he's got a chance to be you know maybe the top backup there going into the season we'll see how how that continues to shake out but i think he's improved his standing this offseason and and has gotten a lot of work lately with with wesley walker being out so that that's that's uh it's going to be a pretty pretty good situation once those guys come back but yeah for now you're having to work through some different options and uh see see what you've got in the star position uh with, with warren burrell and uh, some other guys there so it, it's uh it's maybe a you know again kind of a short-term uh thing to work through but otherwise not not a problem because i think you do line up more options for yourself and once everybody's back healthy it should be a pretty good situation and the last thing to touch on on the way out the door ryan is special teams sounds like they had a nice day continue to have a nice day i think it's impressive that they had a nice day on a day where it was not nice because the, the weather was not kind i kind of thought that they would move uh the scrimmage to the indoor facility. Uh, I, I think it's great to to obviously scrimmage and, and practice it in bad weather because you never know what the weather's going to look like on Saturday. Uh, but one of you mentioned earlier that I think it was Patrick, uh, the receivers were maybe held out a little bit and, and they were cautious with them because of the field being slippery, because of it being wet. I thought that they might take that approach with the whole team and and move it 
uh, to the indoor facility, but they didn't. And instead they pushed it back like 30, 40 minutes or so. Uh, and, and everything went smoothly. Uh, but for the, the specialists uh, to have a nice day in some crappy weather, that, that seems pretty promising. And uh, Jackson Ross, Tennessee's old freshman punter, uh, he continues to turn heads. Yeah, I, I, I'm really ex- – it's crazy to say this about a punter, but I, I'm kind of excited to see him play <laughs> this season because I think he's he's going to be uh, he's going to be kind of fun to watch. I think he is uh, a really talented guy, and we'll, we'll see if that happens, you know, right away if he just puts it together immediately and is, and is you know, one of the better punters in the SEC or if it takes some time. Uh, but I think he's got all the talent and all the ability in the world, and I think he comes in a little bit maybe more experienced than your typical – Guy, not, not just because he's older, but because he's he's played in front of fairly big crowds before with Australian rules football and things like that. Before he got into playing American football, he he was playing for you know playing in front of some decent sized crowds to to where he might not be shaken as much as a, a young kicker by playing inside Neyland Stadium. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to be uh, an interesting guy to watch this year. That maybe had, you know punters don't get a lot of talk with uh, <laughs> with good reason. No one ever wants to punt, but yeah, I think he. Yeah, it sounds like he had a really good day, and, and I'm not shocked to hear that. I think he's got a lot of ability, and I think he could be a real weapon for Tennessee if he continues on that track. Patrick, there's an off day tomorrow on Friday, uh, and then they will also have an off day on Monday. Sandwiched in between off days on Friday and Monday, uh, Tennessee will be back on the practice field on Saturday and Sunday, wrapping up week two, and then they will get into week three next tuesday so where can everybody find our work uh as we wrap up kind of week two and 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 get into the weekend and uh we've got plenty of coverage up at the site from the week that we just had and in the scrimmage and and we'll obviously continue to have coverage over the weekend ben i'm I'm mad that you just you had ryan talk about the punter and not me when i am i am the captain (laughs) of the no our people too i hesitated i hesitated for a second when Ryan finished talking to allow yourself to begin talking. I was I was too hurt to say anything. Oh, you, you, oh, apparently you <laughs> had to you, you had to sneeze too bad. I, I saw you over there. I did have to like, sneeze twice. I, I saw you sneezing like three times over there. So I gave <laughs> you an opportunity. You didn't take it, buddy. And to to your point though, uh I, we have a preseason camp central uh on our front page of our website, goballs two four seven dot com. Uh it's got everything that we've written. Uh Practice highlights, uh, practice observations, feature stories on players, everything every coach has said. You know, we don't get to see a lot of practice, but I think we've talked to roughly half the roster at least. Uh, probably we'll get a few more guys uh, this next week too with some other position groups that uh, whose coaches we've not talked to. But all the media sessions are on there if you want to go watch some of these guys. So uh, I'd start there if you've missed anything. It's a great way. We obviously crank out a lot of content during this time of year, and that is a great way to keep track all, of all of it. Uh, so check that out. It is, um, it's not like in the front and center of our website. Cause we obviously have scrimmage coverage right now, but, uh, it's a, it's a few, uh, few slots down. So, uh, I'd start there, but yeah, we're going to have plenty of coverage over the weekend. Um, and we'll have some more, uh, in-depth takeaways from this scrimmage on Friday morning as well. And, and I, I wanted to add, uh, before we get out of here, we didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance to, to, to address this specifically, but we talked about the pass rush earlier. Um, I, I think one of the, the better, the more promising notes uh, to come out of the, to this first scrimmage. If you're a Tennessee fan is that James Pierce is a name that, that popped up uh, to, in, in talking to a couple of people today about how things uh, went, that he made some plays in this scrimmage 
Uh, and I've continued to hear during the first nine days or so of camp that, that Pierce's natural ability is, has, has really shown up, uh, that, that he's, uh, looked like, you know, potentially a dude at times, you know, I don't know that he's ready to be a star or, or, or if it's going to be a consistent thing with him, it, it, it often takes talented young guys time to, to sort of figure out the consistency part, but man, it sounds like he's got big time ability that's that's starting to show up and we kind of knew that when he signed with Tennessee we knew it last year and he didn't get on the field as much as he probably wanted to but you know Mike Eckler talked last year about how fast he ran down on kick coverage and things like that um you know I, I think it's a very good sign for Tennessee we've talked a lot about him and Joshua Joseph so I think the fact that it sounds like he made a at least a play or two in the scrimmage uh, a, a very good sign potentially for Tennessee there's no doubt about it, uh, and th- that's a great point. Uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> the, the the front seven dominated the scrimmage today. I don't, I don't know if they dominated, but they certainly won it and were very, very impressive. Uh, and if we're all sharing thoughts that we meant to share earlier, I was going to mention we were talking about offensive line development. I had one, f- I had one foot out the door. Well, bring it back on in, buddy. Be, and <laughs> and you, you definitely need to. You may have a tree fall in your foot in, in, in your neck of the woods. Uh, but I was going to say, like, the way that the defensive line looks from a roster construction with a bunch of upperclassmen, that's what you want on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, and for Tennessee's sake, I- I'm sure they're working uh, to-, to reach that point. But w- the front seven was the the highlight of, of scrimmage one, and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up, Ryan, because we probably didn't go in-depth enough of the front seven itself. We, we mentioned it several times, but didn't really get s- specific. So uh, thank you for for mentioning that. Omar Norman Lott, uh, he he made some plays uh, as well. Continue to hear great things about Keenan Peely, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I, I'm excited to watch that front seven play. I, I think they're going to get after uh, some people, and, and they have some guys along that defensive line that, uh, if if they continue to trend in the direction that they are trending, they're going to be NFL draft picks in April. And, and I don't know that we always would have said that about different guys at different times throughout their career. Uh, but kudos to, to them for, for getting it turned around like uh, Elijah Simmons, Tyler Barron uh, and, and Bryson Easton, guys of that nature. It's a contract year for those guys and, and they're super hungry uh, because of it. We've got great coverage of all things Tennessee football up at the site, and we will continue to have great coverage over the weekend as Tennessee hits the practice field on Saturday morning. For Ryan Callahan and Patrick Brown, I am Ben McKee. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. There's that button. And now I can say... Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that 
at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.